We are Gold Ivy, a health company dedicated to simplifying health and wellness. Tune in as we search to find the deep, real, and raw truth. We're here to talk big, no room for small talk. It is our mission to inspire, seek growth, simplify the action steps, and build confidence. You decide what works for your daily life and how to transform our lessons into your gold. Are you ready to step into your power? Now is the time. Join us on the fearless pursuit of self-discovery and growth. This is Ivy Unleashed, a Gold Ivy production. If you're a regular listener of the show or you follow us on social media, you know I, Brooke, just ran my first marathon and Andrew ran her 22nd state and her goal to run a marathon in every state. How did I go from barely getting out of bed to being able to run 26.2 miles, a customized training plan, and coaching with Andrea? With my health concerns, it was important for me to make sure I crossed that finish line safely and confidently. We are so excited to announce that we are now offering customized training plans. Whether you're wanting to run a 5K, 10K, half, or full marathon, we've got you covered. Get your customized training plan plus coaching to get you race ready and keep you motivated along the way. Prior to receiving your training plan, you will meet with me, Andrea, for a 15-minute call to discuss your goals, race details, and schedule your three coaching calls. You will receive a training plan for your race, tailored to your schedule, endurance, and cross-training preferences like yoga, biking, strength, or whatever movement you enjoy. Coaching throughout your training will provide accountability, safety, and inspiration to keep you pursuing your training and race goals. With Andrea, you will connect your mind and body to maximize your race experience. And if you're looking for a custom training plan without coaching, we're offering that as well. Head over to the shop page on our website, goldivyhealthco.com, to learn more and get you across that finish line. In today's episode of Ivy Unleashed, we sat down with mindset and success coach Jennifer Diaz. This is no small talk. Listen as Jen walks us through owning your worth and believing you're enough by accepting all parts of yourself, getting in touch with your power, getting still and paying attention to get under the surface of our beliefs, how you can show up for yourself and write a new story, and her Java method, which has been a game changer in our personal development. Are you ready to leave your self-limiting beliefs behind? This episode has the power to change your life if you're open to it. Let's jump in with the one and only Jennifer Diaz. Welcome back and thank you for tuning into Ivy Unleashed. If you're a regular listener of the show, you know how much we value mindset and owning your power. Today's guest stands for everything we're trying to put into the world. We're talking about the gift of a human, Jennifer Diaz. Jennifer, welcome to Ivy Unleashed. Thank you guys so much. I'm so excited to be here. We were just saying right before we started recording that we're a little starstruck right now. I feel like my face is red. (laughs) (laughs) The questions we have for Jennifer today are huge and life-changing and I feel just super blessed to be sitting in this chair like something is coming over me right now I just feel like super excited to dig into your story what you're about and so let's do it can you tell us about how you started doing this mindset work and talking about self-limiting beliefs like how you got here oh my goodness yes um 
Well, I, I grew up playing sports and that was where I first learned about mindset. And I, I remember a basketball coach, Coach Hilton, really introducing me to this idea of how powerful my thoughts were, positive visualization, um, because quite frankly, I was a head case. You know, I was, I was skilled and talented, but if I made one mistake, it was really downhill from there. Um, if I did well, I was going to, you know, kill it. It was going to be great. And so that is where I began learning about it in, in regards to sport. You know, fast forward years later, and I, I was an exercise physiologist working with a lot of clients for their health and well-being and just really started noticing a big discrepancy between the clients that I had who were really successful reaching their goals, really thriving, and the clients that I had that really struggled. And despite um, having the desire to make changes and you know succeed in different areas of their life, their behaviors really did not match up. So it was so interesting to me because I'm like, okay, well, they're motivated. They're driven human beings. They're successful in other areas. So like, what is the missing link? That and uh, I was still in a place, you know, I'm in my early 20s at this point, trying to find my way as an adult and, you know, um, as a woman. And I just, there was so much negative self-talk in my life and just, I was still a bit of a head case, you know, that athlete in me hadn't changed a ton. I was a little aware, you know, of how powerful mindset was, but I really had no idea the power of it. And so I just started seeing it play out in my life, you know, perfectionism, um, struggling with, you know, eating and, and, you know, exercise and maybe some unhealthy ways. And even when I started my own business, when I was 23, right before I turned 24, that was a whole nother level of, oh my gosh, do I actually believe in myself? Can I actually do this? And so that's really kind of the cliff notes version of, you know, how I really started looking at this. It kind of hit me in the face of, okay, there's something going on that I don't know about that I really want to figure out, not just for, you know, myself, but also my clients. I want to help people thrive. That's why I went into the industry in the first place was I've always been very drawn to living my life very intentionally. Um, I wanted to feel fulfilled and really purposeful and, you know, happy. And I wanted to help other people do the same. And so that led me to learn about um, the psychology of behavior change, which led me to learn about positive psychology and the world of coaching. And so I ended up getting, you know, my first coaching certification uh, in 2000. Oh, 13, I think that was based in positive psychology where I could really start to help people make changes on a deeper level and then furthering into, you know, learning more about the subconscious mind, which I'm sure we'll talk a lot about today and how the subconscious has such a major role in our everyday lives and how we can start to shift that and change that to unlearn, you know, old patterns, old negative beliefs, negative self-image and talk to really start to support the version of ourselves that we want to become and the life that we really want to design and build for ourselves. So that's, that's kind of the, I guess, as succinct as I could probably put it right now. Yeah. Love it. 
you know, that's something that I totally relate on with my healing journey and that I talked to my practitioner about with my gut health and changing these actions. And then we had on uh, Maggie Berghoff, who's a functional practitioner, and she talks about how when she works with her clients, mindset is the first thing because if your mindset isn't there, your actions, no matter how much you want them, believe in them, it's not going to happen. And what so, you change in your environment, all of those things. Right. Like, if your mindset isn't there and if you have these limiting beliefs that you don't feel like you can overcome them, and a lot of the time they are subconscious, like you mentioned, Jen. And so for those that are listening and just for us, what are limiting beliefs, our inner critic, and where do they come from? Mm, that is such a good, difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, I think the simplest way I could describe limiting beliefs, inner critic, all that, they are safety mechanisms that are derived from fear, essentially. You know, our unconscious mind, it's primary directive is to keep us alive and safe. So that's, you know, what keeps our heart beating, it keeps our breathing regulated, our temperature um, regulated, all of those things to keep us alive. And um, the same with our limiting beliefs. From the ages of zero to seven, we are sponges. We're creating more neurons, more synapses and, and pathways than any other time in our lives because in order for us to survive as humans, we have to learn the rules of, you know, what it's like to be a human in our society, in our community, in our family unit. And so we're just picking up everything. And at that time, you know, we don't really have a critical factory. We can't really tell the difference between what's real versus what's, you know, fake, you know, imaginary. And so everything at that point is kind of concrete. It's like, oh, this is truth. And so a lot of our limiting beliefs and beliefs about who we are originate from those ages, those really, really young ages. I can't remember if it was maybe Socrates said, show me the boy at seven and I'll show you the man. And, and so that just kind of shows how we have to go so far back sometimes to discover the root of our limiting beliefs, discover why our imposter syndrome is trying to keep us safe from certain things to reprogram those and reframe those to ourselves. But essentially limiting beliefs, you know, they're not really trying to ruin your life. They're just trying to keep you safe and, and alive, which is based around what you know, who you believe you are, your, you know, your identity, um, the experiences that you've had in your life, your memories, all of those things, and the things you've been taught from other people, either verbally or by, you know, modeling. So they're just trying to keep us safe. Wow. Just from you saying that, it's, it's getting me thinking about me when I'm seven and, and I'm thinking about you know, how I'm protecting myself sometimes when I'm older by not letting people in and not trusting them because I had to be so independent at seven. I had to mm -hmm. protect myself when I was little. And I'm just thinking, wow, just thought coming to my mind now, it affects my relationships now. Just thinking about how, yeah. don't take away my independence. I got this. I can do everything on my own. And if you try and get in that space, I have that protective mechanism. Absolutely. I think you know, one of the biggest unconscious fears we all have, every human being has, is the fear of abandonment. And so a lot of these more, you know, surface limiting beliefs or other fears that, you know, are a little bit above that, a little bit higher than that would be, you know, I'm afraid to connect with this person because 
I'm really afraid of being rejected or inadequate in some way, which the deep root of that unconsciously would be, I'm afraid of being abandoned. Because for humans, we need other humans. We need to belong. It's a very innate thing that we all have. We need to belong to survive and to thrive. And, and so it's, it's a need that's very important. And, um, and so that's one thing that I, I do. I've done with my own work and with my clients. It's really helping name what is the actual fear? Where did this come from? And what do you need to give yourself? Just how can you show up for yourself in order to begin to maybe heal that and, and write a new story as you move forward in your life? That's so powerful. Write a new story. Where my brain is going to is how to even become aware of these thoughts, right? If they are in our subconscious, if they stem from all the way back to when we were seven and now we're 40 years old, right? Mm -hmm. When you're talking and explaining it, it totally makes sense. But I'm thinking about real life. How do you become aware of these thoughts? I'm curious what you've seen within your work. Yeah, great question. The first step is is waking up, which when I say that is really being embodied. So paying attention to the thoughts that are coming into your mind on a consistent basis, paying attention to what you feel in your body. Where is it? What does it feel like? Where is it coming from? What's coming up for you with that? And I think we live in a culture that loves to numb. You know, we numb through, I mean, there's obvious numbing, you know, substance, substances, food, um, but there's also busyness and, and this, there's so many ways to distract ourselves, social media, all these things we love to, we love to numb and distract. And so if you can um, get still and really start to pay attention so you can wake up to what's going on for you under the surface and then investigate that, get really curious about, oh, why did I say that to myself? Where did that thought come from? Wow. Or why am I feeling this tightness in my chest? You know, what's going on around me? Like, let me feel it. Let me let it in and experience that. So, because, you know, our emotions are data. They're just trying to tell you something. They're trying to communicate maybe a need that hasn't been met that you can, that you can then meet, but you can only meet that need if you're aware of it and you know what it's trying to tell you. And so that would be the first step is be. Why do you think it is so hard to just be? I don't know. I think um, it's probably going to differ between each individual, but I know for me, emotions are uncomfortable. (laughs) I think especially the hard ones, which there, there are no bad emotions. There are just some that are more enjoyable to experience than others. And so I think, I know I like to avoid discomfort. I mean, we're wired for that too. We hate feeling fearful. We don't like feeling uncomfortable. We like to be cozy in our comfort zones and, you know, numbed out rather than in a despair or angry or sad. And so that I think is just more fear-based and I I think for me I know I used to think if I really allow myself to feel this it's just going to consume me and now I know that you actually when you let the emotion move through you it takes like what is it maybe 60 or 90 seconds for an emotion to actually go all the way through you it's when we stuff it down that it lasts for so much longer and and we give it so much power by not feeling it. And so when I learned like it's okay to feel um, rewriting some of those stories in my life 
which I'm still doing, kind of recognize that it loses its power. It gives me information. I'm okay. I'm, I trust myself to let myself feel all the things because it's just going to allow me to move through that instead of be controlled by it. Yeah. And Brooke and I have been working with a neurolinguistic programmer for the last four or five months. And we've realized that you know, if you're going to do this work and address your self-limiting beliefs, you've really got to go there. I, I would start my sessions looking at Catherine through the screen and I would start crying before she would ask me anything because I knew it was going to go there. Like I knew I was like ready to face my fears, my insecurities. I was ready to let go of what was holding me back. And it's, it's like a big, scary monster. Like, what am I afraid of? And like, I do think there's that level of awareness. And then once you're aware of it, it's like, we're going to do this or we're not, you know? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes though, I I feel kind of isolated in it because Brooke and I will, Mm -hmm. will talk about what we've been working on. And then we Mm -hmm. immerse ourselves back in society where the numbing is happening all around us with alcohol and phones. And not that we don't do it too, but it's this level of, are you ready to just face all of it and own your insecurities can you actually name it can you say it and having deep meaningful conversations so i'm curious you living in your life and all of your knowledge and all the work you've done like how are you walking around the planet and interacting with people like how (laughs) how does that go for you i'm just curious are you able to have relationships with people that you know don't go there like what is that like for you oh man you know, it's, it's interesting. It does take a level of readiness to do this work because it is not easy. And that's something I talk to, you know, before clients work with me, I usually hop on a call with them and I'm pretty upfront. I'm like, this is going to be wildly uncomfortable and at times very hard. And you have to be really ready. And there are different levels of it too. You know, you peel back layers each time. And so I find for me, when I started doing this work, I had a lot harder of a time kind of immersing myself in environments that maybe really were not, I I would say, awake or just they're not really interested in doing the deep work and diving in and uncovering these things. And so it was was hard for me because it was new for me. And, And now I think for me, the purpose of this work is compassion, a lot of compassion for myself and for other people. You know, the way I I handle that is first off, I'm thankful to have, you know, friends in my life, um, people in my life, family that that is willing to do the work. And so I've got a close knit community of people who care about this and do it, too, who I can call and be like, listen to what I talked about, you know, today with my inner child, like what I'm going through. Here's the crap I'm trudging through literally right now. And um, and they'll be like, oh, my gosh, I get it. I see you. I hear you. And I understand So that I can go out and, you know, just have more compassion for people who maybe aren't aware of the work or don't know how to do it. That's the other thing. A lot lot of people, this is relatively new Mm -hmm. and many people don't know how to do it. They're not aware of it. And so for me, it's just how can I extend the compassion that I've learned to show myself? to other people? How can I, you know, be become aware of my own projections onto other people, my own stories, my own filters, and, and aware of theirs onto me? And so that, that's kind of my take on it. Obviously, there are times when I'm not that version of myself, and I'm frustrated and judgmental and, 
I don't have the capacity for it. And, and that's when I know I need my boundaries need to be a little stronger for certain things or my expectations need to shift. Um, but yeah, I think the ultimate goal of this work is that we have more compassion for ourselves and other people in the world, which is so powerful because compassion leads to action, I think. And so that's probably for me the biggest, I don't know, win or takeaway that I've, I've had personally. And it's, it's still so nice and freeing and gentle when I'm in moments where before I would have been triggered by their lack of awareness or my projection of their lack of awareness. And now I can be there and I can still be me and not reacting and just kind of see them for where they are for maybe they're in pain or, you know, there's other things I don't know about that's going on for them. And I can have that sense of compassion, which is such a gift to, to be given and to give. Totally. Yes. I'm curious what, some of your wins with your clients have been right because I think everyone does this work and they arrive or they have different takeaways from it and although the the basics of it is getting to your inner child and healing this trauma but I can I can only imagine that it's so different for everyone and so I'm wondering kind of walk us through what working with you is like and then maybe sharing some client success stories or your favorite success stories I say success in, in air quotes we definitely usually start out with inner child it's a heavy hitter which is tough work and it's beautiful work at the same time um, we also dive in a little bit to shadow work which is aspects of ourselves that are we deem unworthy unlovable unacceptable based on the rules of our society, community, family. And we just start looking at all aspects of our humanity, our inner child, our, you know, mean inner critic, our, the higher version of ourselves, our shadow, the ugly versions of ourselves, the mean, nasty ones too. And, you know, for me, the ultimate goal is to help my clients fully accept all of those aspects of themselves to kind of fully integrate and, and to, stay, to be able to see, like, I'm worthy, even though I have all these messy little aspects of me. And I'm not just worthy when I show up as the highest version of myself, but I'm worthy no matter what with all of myself. And so really becoming who they were made to be at their, like, authentic core, that for me is the goal. That is the ultimate success because that's when, you know, you feel free. And life is really fulfilling and you get to choose things based on what you actually desire and crave in your life rather than based off what the world tells you you should want or you should be in order to be acceptable. And that can look, you know, in a tangible way, very, very different for each individual. I've had clients quit jobs and start their own business. I've had clients quit selling certain services. So they could do something totally different. I've had clients experience a lot of financial abundance in their lives because they like are able to reframe, you know, what they believe they're worthy of and put in action that supports those kinds of results. Um, but really, it's when they feel very grounded in who they are. They know what they want and they're able to really extend love to themselves in that way, because that's where we get so much um, true confidence, freedom, and just 
I don't know, a craving for life to see what they can do. And, and that's where ambition can be beautiful. So that is, is not very tangible maybe, but when you feel it, you know. And, and that's really what I think success is for my clients. And it looks different for all of them, but that's what I want is to help them figure out what that is for them and what aspects of themselves do they need to give attention to and to nurture? What aspects do they need to reclaim? And what aspects of themselves do they need to let die off? Which is hard. Yes. Something that has made a world of difference for us and many people we know over this past year has been getting our groceries delivered right to our door. The ability to get local, fresh groceries without us having to step foot into a grocery store has been something we are so grateful for. Convenience, price, and quality are extremely important to us, and that's why we love and support Instacart. Instacart can deliver to your front door in as little as one hour. You can shop multiple stores, see deals in your area to help you save money, and every item is hand-selected by shoppers based on your preferences. To start your 14-day free trial and to get free delivery on your first order over $35, follow the link in the show notes to let Instacart know that we sent you and to help support the show. Instacart, never step foot in a grocery store ever again. Yeah, and what I keep thinking about too is like the work you do is so beautiful and helps you get your authentic self and abundance and all these beautiful things, but there's that part of even feeling worthy to work with you, to invest in yourself, Mm. to have the confidence and the worthiness to say, I deserve to put this money towards me to Mm. sign up to work with someone that, you know, you and your work could be so intimidating to people to be like, am I even worthy to work with her? You know? And so what would you say to someone that they're curious about it? They're thinking about it, but it's, they don't have the worthiness or confidence to just invest in themselves. That's tricky. I would just be really curious what their deep fear would be. Also, you don't have to invest a lot of money to do this work. You can start, you know, in a place where you're comfortable with. I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, stretching outside our comfort zone, but in, in a, you know, maybe a small way first, kind of extending past your border just a little bit, a couple feet first. So maybe invest in a book that will teach you how to start doing this work. Maybe invest a little time to journal and really get clear and become aware of that first. So that's that's really what I would suggest is start looking at, you know, okay, well, if I don't feel worthy of that, what what's a way I could maybe expand a little bit and increase that worthiness a little bit so that, you know, when it gets to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready. Like I've seen how this can impact me. I started just doing journaling and visualizations that's where I began and I made a lot of progress um, just, you know, doing that on my own. And it wasn't until I was kind of realizing, all right, I need other eyes with me because I've, I, this is as far as I can go by myself. But then I was ready because I had kind of built up some self-trust in myself because I've done some of the work I'd stayed consistent. I've shown up for myself. I've done it in small ways. So then I was ready to make that commitment. So that's really what I would suggest is just do a little at a time, expand a little bit beyond your reach right now. And there's a book called The Rise by Dr. Sarah Lewis, and it's phenomenal. And in it, she talks about 
setting goals that are just beyond your reach because you'll be incredibly motivated to work towards that, to improve and, and to get there. And I love that because I think a lot of times, you know, if you haven't done mindset work, this is going to be a quite a big shock to your system jumping in to work with me. I'm not going to lie. Most of the time, if you've never touched it, I'm actually not going to, I'm not going to suggest we start together. I'm going to suggest something else for you first. Um, because I know what the clients that get the best results with me have already been doing it a little bit on their own. And, and then we dive in a little bit deeper. And so that's, that's what I would definitely suggest. Yeah, it sounds like the the power of small steps. And you give so many wonderful small steps on your Instagram, on your social media, including your Java method that you talk through. And so yeah. I would love for you to share that with our audience because I think that's a wonderful first small step for people who are interested in just starting just to grab one of the letters from the Java <laughs> method. Yeah, absolutely. The Java method, I kind of um, I mean, I didn't come up with all these things, but I kind of put it in this um, nice little cute structure a couple of years ago because I was looking at my own routine that I had been doing for years. And I was like, this has been transformational for me. And if I could just get as many people as possible doing this, it would really, you know, just transform some of their mindsets, their lives. It would be so cool to see. And as the client said a couple of weeks ago, she said, Jen, this is elementary simple like it's so wildly simple but it has been game-changing incredibly impactful in my like day-to-day life and now I'm like yes that's exactly what I want it doesn't need to be so difficult for you to start making these shifts and so the Java method stands for journaling affirmation visualization and action and you know what this does is to start the reprogramming process on um, three different you know, planes. We've got the physical. Um, we're working on ourselves with action, taking action. We've got the mental, um, looking at our mindset, looking at how our thoughts, you know, are impacting our lives. We have the emotional with some inner child work, um, shadow work, all of those things. And we're really starting to transform, you know, the way we think about ourselves, who we see ourselves, you know, to be, our capabilities and just our identity too. And so that's what the Java method stands for. I love that. And we will definitely be sharing that too. I think it's so nice just to have someone break it down Mm -hmm. for you to give you the steps and to get started, you know, eventually maybe working their way to working with someone like you, but just to set aside even five minutes just to start journaling. Like, what do I even feel Mm -hmm. about myself? Have I even thought about that? Mm -hmm. I think sometimes when when you haven't started mindset work, it's it's overwhelming or it feels over your head and so you just like move on, you know? And mm-hmm. I think if there's anything that I've learned with working with my coach, it's that the way I talk to myself is how I, I'm perceiving the world. It's the more I work on myself, it's changing everything I see, everything I feel, how heavy I feel, how light I feel. Like, I even experience running faster because I physically feel lighter, letting go of so many beliefs of myself. So just to feel like sometimes you need examples of like what a self-limiting belief is, right? Like you don't feel mm-hmm. worthy of love unless if you're producing, mm-hmm. you're, pr- you're productive or you're achieving mm-hmm. something. If you're not doing anything, like what am I? I'm nothing, you know? <laughs> and so a yeah. belief like that was something I had. I had a belief that 
if my phone rang and it was someone in my life that I tend to take on their problems, their issues, and feel like I have to fix them, I wouldn't answer the mm-hmm. phone. And it's it's like I was convincing myself that I had to carry people's worries and burdens and fix something. And so I let that go. And it's like all of these little beliefs I've had in my life, and I've worked on a lot of them with money, with so many things that once you start diving into your belief systems, you can just get curious, like, where did this come from? And do I want to yeah, keep this? Is it serving me? Exactly. I, th- I mean, you, limiting beliefs are all over the place. And if you pay, that's why if you pay attention to what you say, you can start to find like, oh, interesting. That's one. Like, if, for instance, as simple as like, you know, if you wanted to set a goal to, you know, wake up at 6 a.m. so you could incorporate one of these, you know, methods or exercise to your day. But you're like, oh, I'm not a morning person. That's a belief and an identity that you have. And so automatically, if you don't start shifting that, I can tell you you're not going to be successful long-term with waking up at six, either that or you need to find a different time that's going to work that you believe you can stick with, right? Um, And so if you just start paying attention, I didn't do enough today. According to who? (laughs) What standards are you setting? Like start asking questions like that. That's a and for me, I'm clued in. I'm not enough. That's a, you know, a belief. I'm not enough. And if I'm not enough, if I'm inadequate, I'm not going to be lovable. I'm not going to belong. I'm going to be abandoned. And there we go. We get all the way to that route. And you can start to, and that sounds dramatic, but that's what's happening under the surface. And so you can start to pay attention. Why do I believe that? You know, I'm writing today. I've been writing a lot about fear and and I was thinking back to my own fear with public speaking and just the fear of being seen and the fear of what if I mess up? What if I'm this? And what if I'm judged? And then everyone hates me, <laughs> you know, going through that. And I remember, you know, the first time I had a public speaking opportunity really being like, my life's not in danger. Why am I like shaking? <laughs> and so really getting to the root of like, okay, this is what's going on. So how can I show up for myself right now? Well, I can, you know, get my body in a calm state by doing, taking deep breaths, visualizing something really positive, me succeeding with this and having a really fun time doing it. Um, and I did that and I can, you know, go up and face the fear anyway. And that's part of it too. We have to kind of look it in the face and not let it keep us small and um, in our comfort zones too much. And so that's, that's really that paying attention. What am I saying all the time? What am I feeling? Where is this coming from? And yes, what Brooke said, does this serve me and where I want to go in life? Because the thing with fear is it loves to keep you safe in the present. wants to keep you alive in the present. But the day fear wins, Tomorrow, regret wins. And so that's what we have to remind ourselves is like fear is very like right now, very momentary, but regret is subtle and, you know, down the line. And that is so much harder to hold than fear of right now. And so that's one thing I remind myself of. It's like, you know, 10 years in the future, when that version of me looks back on this time right now, what do I want to see? What would I be proud of at this moment? And, you know, usually I hate asking myself that because I know it means I'm about to get pretty uncomfortable, but that has led me to so much growth and experiencing some really cool things in my life as a result of it. And so the more you can build up, 
those experiences and that proof, I think the, the fear is still there. It never goes away, but the easier it is to trust yourself and know that, okay, I can, I can overcome that. I'm stronger than that fear. I love that. It sounds like consistent consistency, consistently showing up, mm-hmm. consistently thinking about these things, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable thoughts that come up. Like it feels weird. Of course it does. It's new. It's different. But I love what you just said about regret too. And kind of putting yourself, you know, where do I want to be in 10 years? What do I want that to look like? If it feels kind of far reaching, like, isn't that cooler? Isn't that better? Like, don't Mm -hmm. you want a big abundant life? And that's something I've had to get comfortable with. And I I know it's Mm -hmm. part of what you do for your work with thinking about scarcity and abundance and again, worthiness, feeling worthy of abundance. Like if you Mm -hmm. feel uncomfortable talking about money or having lavish things or doing big things or, you know, something that feels a little comfortable, but you want it, what is that? Mm -hmm. You know? And so I would love for you to touch on your abundance work, scarcity work and and how Mm -hmm. that works with our belief system and, and how you help people through that. Yeah. I mean, you hit it on that. And the nail on the head when you're talking about worth, am I worthy of abundance? And that's really at the root of this. Am I worthy of it? And then you have that fear again of abandonment coming in um, based on what you experience. And if we're talking about abundance in terms of money, which most people think of it, that's what they think of, which it really is so much more. You know, I think of love and time and opportunity and joy and all that stuff. But a lot of my clients are, you know, entrepreneurs and they're coming in and they're like, I want to be successful. I want to reach a lot of people. I want to have financial abundance. So I do work a lot with that. And, you know, it's really about, well, what are your stories about money? What do you believe about money? What do you believe about people who have a lot of money? You know, do you have any like shadow traits, you know, when it comes to money? Because if you do, you're going to self-sabotage yourself. It's not acceptable for you to have money, for you to have nice things, because maybe your family judged people who did and you know you love your family and they didn't they weren't trying to be mean maybe they were I don't know (laughs) but maybe they're uncomfortable with that so they're projecting their own judgments and so for you you take that in and you're like oh wow um well I don't want my family to judge me I need them to love me I need to belong with these people so I'm I can't have that it's not safe for me to have that and so that's one thing is like if you don't feel safe to have it you will not allow yourself to have it And so we start looking at what would it be like for you to be safe to have that, for you to be worthy of that and and leaning into those new beliefs. Because, you know, really, maybe your family will judge you a little bit. But once you can understand that it has so much more to do with what they believe about themselves and what they're worthy of than it does with you, it's, it's a little bit easier to kind of you know, create an emotional boundary, an energetic boundary, and just kind of let them have that. <laughs> I'm going to let you hold that emotion for yourself. I'm just going to be like, oh, wow, interesting thought, interesting statement. Okay, anyway, <laughs> and, and then move forward with what you believe. And um, it doesn't mean it won't hurt, maybe, and it might frustrate you. But, you know, at some point, you have to decide what kind of life you want to live. If you want to repeat what you know, your current programming will have you repeat, which is what you grew up in, then that's fine. But if you don't, you're going to have to get uncomfortable and, and probably separate a little bit from, you know, the way you were taught or raised to believe about that. And so that's, that's, you know, it's 
this work is really, there's so many aspects to it. It can be hard to, you know, break down and explain. But what we do try to get to is what's the root of this belief? Where did you pick this up from? Um, what did you need instead? And maybe what are some ways you're self-sabotaging to keep yourself safe? And how can we shift those, reintegrate some of those identities so that you do feel safe and worthy of having that so that your actions, you know, support that. You're no longer self-sabotaging. You're actually showing up for yourself and the things that you want in your life. I'm really curious about abundance and scarcity of love because I can picture it with Mm -hmm. time. I can picture it with money, but I can definitely, like I'm starting to feel like this could be really important to dig into. Can you give an example of people that have a scarcity mindset with love and how that could show up with shadow, Mm -hmm. their shadow tendencies or, you know, their self-sabotaging behaviors? That's a really good one. You know, um, love and money, those kind of go hand in hand sometimes with the abundance of what I feel worthy of, what I feel deserving of, what does love look like for you? What were you modeled that love feels like, looks like how you get it, all of those things? It's really, this one's tough because you think about the way we interact with other people and to get love, a lot of us are taught we can't be our whole authentic selves and be fully loved. And not on purpose, you know, I don't think anybody is trying to squash (laughs) someone's authenticity, but, you know, so many of us um, aren't comfortable with our own selves. And so when we see that in a younger person, we might, you know, model that's not okay to be that way, trying to protect them, ideally, um, most of the time. And so it's really about, I think the first step is, this might sound cheesy, but it's really about learning to love all the parts of you that maybe you were taught were unlovable and learning that you inherently, just because you exist, you're worthy. You don't need to be anybody else. You don't need to perform or please um, anyone else in order to get love, although you may have had to do that in human you know, relationships, um, but not with yourself. A lot of times we treat ourselves the way we were taught to um, love and so it's really looking at you know I love myself as long as I'm a good girl and I don't make mistakes and I follow the rules but what what I really want what that inner child really wants is to be loved anyway even when I'm not perfect which is a lot and even when I mess up and even when I throw a tantrum I want to be loved and held and so it's really about learning how to show up for yourself and I'm worthy of love even when I'm not acting quote unquote, right or good. And, and I think that's that first step of I'm worthy of that. There's so much love available to me if I allow myself to have it, if I can give it to myself, allow myself to have it. And that's the first step with other relationships too. Because when you love yourself well, you will be so much better able to love other people well and in a healthy way and in a really beautiful giving way, not just in a I love you because it makes me feel a certain way. It makes me feel valued and like I have a purpose and um, like I'm safe. And I love you just because I love you. I think that's what we all want. And we have to start by giving it to ourselves. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. My brain goes to, but then what? <laughs> right? Like I think, yeah. okay, I believe I'm worthy. Like after doing this work, I believe that by just existing, like I'm worthy, give me all the love, give me all the money. (laughs) But then it's like, 
how do I put that into practice? Like, is that then I'm trying too hard and I'm not receiving? I guess it's like my brain goes to, and now what? Like, right. So maybe that's the next step. It's like step one is be aware of it. Become aware of how you're speaking to yourself and this inner child work and these limiting beliefs that you have. And now you do the work. It's like, and then what? I'm curious what. I would be (laughs) so curious for you what you want from that and then what. Mm. It's a good question. It is a good question. I think it depends on. It's the the do do doer in me, mm-hmm. and not just being okay with just being and the performing, mm-hmm. but then also needing to pick apart why I think that way and my thoughts. And I'm becoming so much more comfortable in just the being when I'm intentional about it. Right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm I'm aware of it, but then it's like, is this a forever thing? <laughs> yeah. I feel like, though, Jen, your experience is right up our alley. You Mm -hmm. work with entrepreneurs and there's this balance of wanting to leave this legacy and chase your Mm -hmm. dreams and be intentional and help people be inspired. And then there's days where it's like, but also can I just like be and and that's okay too. And so how do you Mm -hmm. balance that like fighting for your legacy and going for it and feeling worthy and getting up early and grinding, grinding and hustling. And then also being (laughs) and knowing like you're worthy of that, but you're also trying to do something big that requires a lot of time and effort. How Mm. do you find that balance or help your clients find that balance? It takes some time because they're not separate. They're really one in the same. What happens though is when you start owning your worth and believing you are enough, and deserving of, you know, all the most amazing things, and you're accepting all aspects of yourself. A lot of times, I think with a lot of my clients, when they start, they're like, I'm a little nervous to, like, own my enoughness. I'm a little nervous to be content with where I am, because we all fear this um, idea that we're going to become, like, complacent, and I'm going to settle, and then what is my life going to turn into? And, And that's not how it goes. However, you will likely find when you do own that enoughness and you're grounded in, you know, your, your confidence and you're in touch with your power, you don't need to prove yourself anymore. And so the ambitions that you once had might change, but they don't die. They don't go away. They actually get a lot juicier. It's, and I describe this, you know, to some of my clients, the difference between hunger and craving. When we're hungry, that ambition to, you know, fill up comes from lack. I'm, I'm experiencing pain. I'm lacking nutrients. I need that or things are not going to go well. I'm going to get hangry. I'm going to be awful. I'm going to feel, I'm going to get sick. You know, all these things. When we're craving something, it's more of a, mm, I just want to experience that. I think it would be delicious. And so what, what happens when we own our enoughness, when we're in our work, we're kind of filling ourselves up from within, from within our own power, which, you know, as women, we're often taught is outside of ourselves, is how desirable are we? That's where our power comes from. Are we beautiful enough for other people to want us? Um, that's where I feel, you know, a lot of women feel power, but it's not. We already have it internally, inherently, and we can get in touch with that. We start kind of saying, like, the world wants me to be this, but that doesn't align with me. I'm already that. And so we're, we're full. 
And then when we're full, we can say, what do I crave? What do I want to use my strengths, my gifts to experience and to create in life? Because that creative energy is also part of our power. It's really important that, you know, sexual energy and not necessarily in sex is like a physical act, but it's just that creative energy that's a lot of libido and, and excitement for life. What do I want to create? What do I want to experience? What do I want to do? And, and when we can take our drive and our ambition from a place of I'm already enough, I'm abundant, I'm worthy, and I believe in myself, and let's see what I can experience. It makes challenging ourselves, setting goals, pursuing things that light us up that much more fulfilling and just enjoyable because we know we're worthy. So now we get to enjoy that success for what it is an experience rather than, you know, going the hunger route and trying to experience, you know, I want to make, I want to make a big impact. I want to do all the things. I want to have all the money because then I'll be worthy. Then I'll, because you might do that. I've had clients come to me and they're like, I've literally accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish. Like I hit all the goals and I feel empty and I didn't expect that. And that will happen if you are putting the wrong things into that success. And so when you can go ahead and give yourself that, you can actually experience and appreciate the success for what it is and, and trust yourself that you're going to show up. No woman I work with is lazy and wants to do nothing at all. Like we all have this energy to create and to do things that we care about. And so it's just so much more fulfilling when we can come from a place of I'm full because I'm giving myself my own love. I'm in touch with my power. I know I'm enough and heck yeah, let's see what I can do. Oh, so can beautiful. I just like put that on repeat every morning <laughs> when I wake up? <laughs> I know. I keep thinking I'm going to listen to this episode oh my once a week. I'm going to start every Monday with this episode <laughs> oh, and then I'll listen to the other one. It's so good. And it also speaks to the power of like raising your frequency, your vibration. And I think about like everything I've read about manifesting and how, you know, mm. people think that, oh, you just visualize the life you want and you raise your frequency and it's so much more than that. It's what action are you taking, but also what are these limiting beliefs that aren't allowing you to feel that frequency? I think that's what yeah. what's speaking to me right now. Yeah. And when you're saying, you know, that hunger to the craving, I'm thinking of that gap, right? Like the women listening or men listening and feeling inadequate, getting full, like you said, with self-love mm -hmm. and acceptance and who am I and what do I want and knowing I'm worthy of it, that gap is tough. It's a tough gap mm -hmm. to fill because you become aware of it and it, it can be painful. It can be hard mm -hmm. to face it. It can be hard to fill that gap. And so I love that you have a method to kind of help with that. But what would you say to someone that's listening that wants to be able to not come from a place of hunger, but come from a place where they want to be able to crave whatever they want and just go for it. Like, what would you say is kind of the secret sauce to filling that gap? <laughs> for one, I think it's good. It's good to remember that we will go between the two. You know, we don't ever arrive. We don't ever get to a place where we don't experience fear. We don't experience self-doubt. We don't have a day of negativity. So that's normal. What we want to do is have the tools to move through it. And so I love what you said, like, how can we actively do this? I think when we hear like self-love and all this stuff, it feels very flowery. We think about a lot of the softness of love, which can be part of it. It can be very nurturing. It can be a lot of maintenance, like taking care of yourself, going for a walk, taking a bath, you know. 
But really, when you think about when I love someone, they need structure. You know, I think I don't have kids, but I, when my clients have kids, I'm like, does your kid have a bedtime? Do you have like certain foods you like for them to eat because you know it's good for them? Do you like hold your boundaries and your ground when they're fighting you on it, on the rules? Because they don't understand that this is good for them and it's what they need. That's love too. We have to kind of create limits for ourselves um, because we all have limits. Limits can really, there's a quote, and I don't remember who said it, but the greatest source of creativity is limitation. And so kind of creating like, I've got a bedtime, (laughs) I've got a morning routine. How are you showing up for yourself in your life? How are you showing yourself love? You know, I think about, I I have dogs that I care about and if I dropped a grape on the floor or something that could possibly be very poisonous for them, they're going to be like, why won't you let me have that? I don't understand. But I'm like, you cannot have this because you'll die. And so it's kind of like treating ourselves, you know, a little bit like that child is, okay, what do you need to feel loved? What do you need to feel good, focused, to show up fully? What helps you feel confident? I mean, it's really getting to know yourself. And understanding, you know, I might want to stay up to 2 a.m. binge watching something on Netflix, but I know tomorrow I'm going to have to show up and do these tasks and I want to do that really well. So I have to put that structure in place for myself. I have to, I got to go to bed. I've got to do this. So it's really taking action in those senses of um, creating limits for yourself, creating barriers, nurturing and, and being kind with it, but also having things in place that allow you to show up really fully. And I think, you know, for me, exercise is a piece of that. I know when I'm, you know, running, I'm exercising, I feel so much more confident. And I can tell if I miss a few days and all of a sudden my mind starts going through these negative loops. I'm like, you know what? I need to go outside and go for a run. And I come back and I'm like, cool, got that negative energy kind of shaken out of me. You know, you can obviously journal and do the visualization, but sometimes you do need a physical action to to kind of recalibrate and, you know, shift your energy a little bit. And so I would just encourage anyone who wants to start with this, with this level of self-love, um, I'd ask myself, okay, if I had, and, and try not to get in your head. A lot of people, when they talk about limiting beliefs, they're like, well, my parents are great. I love them. I'm like, I love mine too. And you know what? Another human being is not going to be able to meet the need of another human being, no matter how amazing they are. You know, we all are going to come up with limiting beliefs, self-sabotaging, you know, trauma in a big sense and small sense usually. And so that's, that's okay. Let's like release the the pressure. We're not blaming your parents. We're just trying to understand, you know, what you, you need and where all these things came from. And so I would ask if I had, if I were a mother or if I were a father, how might I treat myself today? What would I need? What do I need to hear from them? What kind of structure do I need to put in place so I show up really well, so I feel capable and like I'm believed in and like I can do these things and I'm cared for and just kind of start brain dumping. Maybe here are some ideas for me. I've, and, and that's where I would start. It's just looking at what does love on an action base look like for you and how can you start showing up for yourself in that way? I love that so much because it's, We've talked about self-care and self-love before, but not in that way where it's, it's actionable. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not just a list of all the things that would be great to do. It's like, actually, what, what also shouldn't we do? And Brooke and I both struggle with that too, where, you know, we'll 
have too many drinks with friends one night and then we're like exhausted the next day and then we beat ourselves up because then we weren't productive and it gets in this cycle too. And so I'm curious how you handle those times where you feel like maybe I did sabotage myself or maybe I did make Mm -hmm. a wrong move and you get in that cycle of like, can I ever find this balance? Like, will I ever be able to just let loose one night and like pay for it, but not beat myself up? How do you find that balance of the the productivity versus the showing up versus the self-care and all of those yeah. things? It's a great question. I mean, you don't find it always. There are moments that you do when you have, you know, really beautiful awareness um, that we're going to do that occasionally. We're human, so natural. And so what we want to do, I mean, I self-sabotage sometimes because it can feel good in the moment and it's later that we regret it. And so you know, when I'm on the other side of that, being able to look at, do I feel guilty? Okay. Why? It did what, who was hurt in that process? Who is suffering in that process? If it's true, like, oh, I am, I feel bad. I'm not showing up, you know, to the extent that I'd like to, then I'm like, all right, well, what can I learn from this? You know, you know, talking about having drinks with friends, maybe instead of like three, I'm going to keep it to two. And I'm going to know, I'm going to set that boundary for myself next time because I can do that and I can feel really good the next day. So that's my plan moving forward. So it's kind of like learning, you know, what, why do I feel the way that I feel? What is that emotion trying to tell me? What can I learn from that? And how can I do something different next time? Let me create a plan for that. Sometimes that guilt or that feeling bad doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from an old story, an old wound or lie. And then it's like, do I need to, you know, I think about, you know, guilt with what we eat. Maybe I overate or I I eat like three brownies and really probably should have had one. But that's when I'm going to look at, do I feel bad? Not really. Why do I feel guilty then? Well, that's this old belief that I can only have this. Is that true? No. I mean, no, I'm okay. Then I can let it go and I can move forward. And so it's, and that sounds like a long, drawn-out process. People are like, how, how much time do you have in your day? <laughs> but in reality, in reality, it can be rather quick when you start recognizing that and you start noticing these stories and you're just like, wait a minute. And so it's, it's just, again, back to that compassion for yourself. And compassion is about doing. It's about I see you, I hear you, I feel this with you. What can I do? And so that's, that's what we're doing when we make a mistake. I think how have I experienced someone giving me grace um, and a teachable moment? Maybe, you know, I need to learn. So I'm not perfect. I'm going to mess up. I think about this with my husband in conversations. If I've done something that has bothered him or hurt his feelings, oh man, I hate that feeling, but I'm thankful that he's told me and that we can have that conversation. It's uncomfortable to know that I'm the one that made a mistake and that I hurt your feelings and I hate that. But I have to sit in that and own that. You know, I'm human. It doesn't mean he doesn't love me. In fact, the fact that he's telling me this is like, okay, he does love me and he wants us to be really, really good. And so now I know and I can, you know, apologize and kind of talk about this is what I'll do next time and would this be better and kind of come up with a plan and then let it go. I'm not going to beat myself up about it. I'm human. I'm going to move forward and I'm not going to make the same exact mistake next time. I'll probably make another one and that's okay too. We're just learning from these things. It sounds so simple. 
<laughs> like when you hear someone yeah. just walk through it, right? Like acknowledge your feelings and acknowledge your emotions. Be compassionate with yourself because you are human. And I read something the other day online that said your emotions are just like children. They need to be validated and be seen and heard. And then they just go and they move on. <laughs> like, And that's exactly what yeah. you said, Jen, about, you know, let those emotions move through you and don't let them stick. Feel the feels. And this too shall pass. And when you verbalize it and when you say it out loud, it's like, oh, it's so simple. And that's something that Andrew and I always talk about is like this work, although it's hard and it's deep, it's it's the simple things that are the truth. And if anything is more complicated, it's your ego like making it complicated. And so when I think about like, what do I want? Getting really honest, specific, taking that time out to journal. And when I think like, oh, nothing is going to come out of this, like this this is just silly, but it's not, it's powerful. And it's like that ego getting in the way. And that brings me to this idea of how to be safe and show up for ourselves in a safe way while sitting with discomfort, how to hold space for both. Because I do know how important it is to acknowledge and validate your feelings and, you know, like talk to your reptilian brain of, I know you're trying to protect me, but like, we're good. Mm (laughs) <laughs> but if it's discomfort yeah. and uncomfortable. Almost always uncomfortable <laughs> in my experience, at least. I think, and this is kind of what learning about, you know, our inner child, our past, our shadow, what we're doing when we're increasing our awareness is like we're turning the lights on in a room. And it's really hard to be in that moment. And, you know, everything I just said, you know, that conversation, like to make yourself feel safe, it's easy to do when you're not activated and when you don't feel threatened. Because when we feel threatened, when fear is loud, we literally, we do not hear. Our hearing lessons, we get literal tunnel vision. We, we're in a, I'm protecting myself mode and there's no telling what might come out of my mouth in those moments. And so that's, that's such a normal reaction. So what we do when we start practicing this awareness and getting to know aspects of ourselves, we're turning the lights on. So when I bump into something, I'm like, oh, it's that old fear. It's that old, you know, I feel like I'm not enough. I feel like I'm not, I'm inadequate. And when you're telling me that this hurt you, that's, if I'm not aware of that, that's going to come out and I'm going to be defensive. I'm going to be resistant. I'm going to blame you and start projecting onto you my own inadequacy and all of that. And so that's not going to be a protective conversation. It's actually going to lead to probably more pain and more frustration. Whereas when I'm aware and I'm turning the lights on. And I know there's this part of me that doesn't feel enough and that will get activated occasionally. So I can sense, you know, when I'm when I'm being met with, hey, this, I did something wrong and I hurt someone, I can quickly kind of recognize that feeling. I know what it feels like in my body. I'm aware of that. I know what I might bump into. And so instead of letting my inner child or shadow come out, an ego to get wild to protect me. I don't. I know I don't need that protection. I'm able to breathe. I'm able to kind of recalibrate my body and think, okay, this is hitting on that. And this is what my ego wants to say. This is kind of one way I could go about this. But I know what is true and the authentic version of me. And I'm able to look at myself and accept myself with my flaws. And so I can I can approach that in a different way. And so the more, and yes, like journaling is a great way to kind of open up, you know, to turn the lights on and, and open up our awareness and, and not just like, you know, dear diary today, I did. I mean, that can be helpful, but really 
I love the way Julia Cameron, um, the author of The Artist's Way, talks about journaling. She's the one that coined the term morning pages. And there are three pages of just, you know, stream of consciousness whatever comes into your mind. And she recommends you do them like right when you wake up because it's before your like critical factory, your inner critic is awake. So it's a lot of subconscious, you know, dumping and you'll be writing and you might be like complaining about somebody. It's going to be the worst parts of yourself, the ugliest parts of yourself. You might write something and be like, what? <laughs> I just write? Is that for me? So what this does is kind of like, oh, I'm starting to turn the lights on. I'm starting to see all these different parts of me that could potentially get activated that might come out the way that I judge others because of how I judge myself, the way that I feel triggered um, because of this one thing that happened when I was, you know, eight years old and, or, you know, in high school that really hurt. And this is just reminding me of that old pain and it's not the same. I can kind of talk myself and rationalize through that as it's not the same, but that's something that, can be wildly helpful is just starting to increase your awareness of who you are, what makes you you and all those parts. And, and that's really where we, we do that work and we're able to show up unactivated and feeling a little bit safer because we are seeing ourselves, we are hearing ourselves and we're showing up for ourselves, which are all very core soul needs that every human being has. So when we're doing that for ourselves, we can make ourselves feel safe in, in the right environment. It's so interesting how almost everything you're saying is coming back to fear. Mm-hmm. Like what you're afraid of, the hurt that you had, your inner child, like feeling those uncomfortable feelings. There's like this fear and kind of facing those fears. And it just sounds scary. It just sounds like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. But I mean, if I could encourage anyone to dig into this, I would just say, don't you want to feel free of that? You know, it's so heavy to be afraid of someone leaving you or not having enough to provide your family or never experiencing true love or not being worthy. Like, what if I do show up in myself and no one likes that person? Like, that's so heavy to carry. And Mm -hmm. I just feel like your work following you on Instagram literally alone (laughs) will set people free. (laughs) The way that you write, (laughs) the things, the questions you ask, the journal prompts you give, the way you speak to the world with, I can't even put it in words. It's just like freeing to think of a life where you can let those things go so you can live in peace and not constantly be reacting out of fear. And so I'm just like thankful the way that you write. I feel like you need to write a book now. (laughs) I'd love to. (laughs) That would be a major goal. I love writing. Thank you. Yeah. A lot. I'm curious where that comes from. Like when you're, you're in that Mm -hmm. flow state and you're writing that post or you're creating, like, how do you get yourself to that spot? Like where, and where do those words come from? (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, Some days it is a battle and I have my own voices that love to get loud and love to compare to other people. And, um, it's, it's hard some days, but I think for me, really, the journaling helps. You know, I'm getting all that out. I usually get, like, a lot of nasty things out in my journaling and sit down and think, um, you know, because I'm not the, the most credentialed or educated on this topic, but I love learning from people who are. 
And, okay, and so I have that's to stop you. Belief. Your credential <laughs> list is so long. It takes up like a whole web page. Like, everybody listening, Jen is like trained in <laughs> hypnosis and neuro-linguistic programming. She has a master's that I could go on. There's like 17. You do have the credentials for this, by the way. Okay, please continue. <laughs> Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But you see, that's that's the funny thing about the way our minds will work is that's one of my stories is mm-hmm. that you don't, you're not a doctor. You don't have a doctorate. You're not um, a psychologist. That's where that you're not a neurologist. You know, that's where my mind goes. And so I, that's my story that I have to, you know, I don't, but I'm also very qualified to do what I do. And I'm very good at my job. And I have gifts that I love using. And so that's kind of the thing that I have to overcome so that I can show up and do that and impact people. And it also keeps me a little humble, which keeps me hungry. And um, continuing to want to learn and and to grow. And so, you know, I love to read. And um, that's one way I come up with the things. I'm like, when I read, how does this feel for me? What, like, what do I take from this? And I love kind of teaching what I've learned to other people. So that's one way I do that. Um, My own experience. Some days I, I talked about this, you know, with my therapist about, I don't have the answer. And as a coach, it's not my job to, and I'm very thankful for that. My job is to be curious and to ask questions and to get my clients to kind of come to their own answer. And I will forever be grateful for that because there feels sometimes, especially in social media, when you're writing things to have an answer for people. I mean, you guys are asking me questions and I'm giving you the best I got, but you know, this might not work for somebody. I don't know. I don't have the answer for that. And, and that's, not my job to, it's my job to be curious and to lean into that. And so um, that's one thing I think of one affirmation is just, Jen, what are you curious about? What do you wonder? And write about that. What feels true for you right now? What feels like very authentic? If you're sitting across from, you know, your favorite person, favorite client, what would you want them to know? And what would you want them to say? And so that's a lot of the prompts. If I feel like stuck or in my own head, I just kind of recalibrate, center, breathe, get quiet, and that's where I go. And um, that seems to help me more than anything else so far. And it's helping other people. Like I can feel the love mm-hmm. in your reflections, the questions you ask about people's life and what they want out of it. I can tell. I feel like I'm your favorite client sitting there reading <laughs> it. I feel like every, yeah, everything you're saying, I feel like it's come from a really deep, authentic place of reflection on life and the true meaning and wanting everyone to feel that. And so it, it definitely comes through. Like everything that you want to come through, I'm feeling it. And also your belief and full just knowing that you have the answers within you, right? You keep saying like mm-hmm. embody and yeah. becoming and like deconditioning what you've learned through just becoming a human and an adult and asking yourself these deep questions to get to what do I want? What even do I believe? What even thoughts am I thinking? And so when you mentioned just being curious and it's like being curious with yourself and I think that's the fear of like, what the hell is going to come out? If I do sit down with this question, with this reflection question, like, I don't know it like, what's what's within me but I think that you can use that to empower you of you have everything you need within you you just got to 
reintroduce yourself. Yeah. And something else that I think is part of the fear, and I experienced this too, was I knew when I started working with Catherine that there was this potential and I was scared of it because Mm -hmm. it's like, what am I going to become? Like, am Mm -hmm. I going to still be me? I mean, I kind of like me, I think, but like, I know I want more. So I think there's also the fear of what will I become? Will I lose who oh, I yeah. am? Is that more work? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You, and you might, you might not. You might lose parts of you that you've had to create in order to feel safe. And so that's where, you know, that's where this work can feel, I mean, there's grief involved in, in this work. A lot of people think, oh, I want to get in touch with my potential. I want to become this, you know, version of myself. And what we don't realize is in order to do that, you're going to have to take off masks that have kept you safe for a very long time, that have served a purpose. And you're going to feel like a part of you is dying and you might have to grieve that. And and that's okay. And there might be people who are triggered by you. There are going to be people who are triggered by you stepping into this version of yourself. Absolutely. Like there's just no question. A lot of clients that I work with, they're, oh my gosh, they're powerhouses. They're so capable. I'm like blown away by their strength and their, gifts it's really incredible and a lot of them fear if I show up fully people are not going to like it and I'm like you know what they won't not all of them and that's something that we have to face and look at and recognize I'm going to make people uncomfortable especially if they've been taught it's only acceptable for them to play small and I think that's something to remember is when we start shedding our skin, when we start really becoming the most authentic version of ourselves and we get in touch with our power, we're going to activate other people who are not. I think that's good because sometimes people won't wake up unless they're activated. And what I want is for people to wake up. I want you to be in touch with your own power. I want you to have your own level of confidence and self-belief that is just so deep inside of you because that's what we need in the world. It's for you to do that. It's for you to become that version of yourself. So if it pisses you off that I'm showing up, awesome, good. Go deal with that anger. Go figure out why it makes you mad. Because it has nothing to do with me. Everything to do with you. And that's something to look at. And so that's where, you know, and there are going to be other people. I've seen this, you know, the first time I saw a woman embracing her confidence, my immediate reaction was, who does she think she is? And I, and I thankfully caught myself and thought, wow, where is that coming from? Oh, I'm not allowed to be confident. Why? I was taught we need to be humble. Nobody likes a confident woman, not too confident. You know, you can't be desperate, but you can't, you know, there's a tightrope that we have to walk sometimes. And so when I started looking at, she's just showing me that I'm allowed to do that too. Cool. So what does it feel like for for me to be confident so it's kind of nice that for every person you might trigger and piss off which is a good thing there are going to be other people who see you and they're like oh if she can do that I'm allowed to do that too cool so you're unlocking this for other people and and not that that should be the purpose but that's just a really cool thing that can happen but there is fear there's valid fear who am I going to become I think you might really really like version of yourself you do become which is the best piece of gold in all of this crap that we have to drudge through to become her 
Holy shit. That literally just blew my mind. I'm going to rewind those last few minutes and listen to that over and over. And I hope if you're listening, that sets you free to dig into that confidence and build it and not judge anyone that's got it. And if it does, get curious with it and just listen to Jen over and over and over. It's true though. If, if it triggers someone, that's theirs to work through. That's not yours to carry. Just like when we're triggered, it shows that, okay, I'm ready to heal. I'm ready to dig deep. And also I think about yeah. if you don't do this work, like who are you losing? If you don't become mm-hmm. that person, right? Like, and Milet always says, my biggest fear is knocking on heaven's gate and God being like, this is the man you could have been. Like, ooh, let that sink in. Ask ooh. yourself that. Like, what are you what are you losing if you don't become her or him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who are you losing? What version of yourself are you losing if you don't ever become her? That's powerful. And I think a great way to combat that fear of, you know, who am I going to become? What might you lose if you don't? Mm-hmm. I also think what yeah. you said about, like, that person you were, those actions you took, they served you at one point. And recognizing mm-hmm. that, you know, I think about the NLP work, neurolinguistics programming we've done with Kara Hatch, who's been on, and Catherine, and saying that every behavior, there's a positive intention behind it, right? Just like the yeah. fear or the protective mechanisms and acknowledging that and saying, okay, well, here's a new way. Here's a higher yeah. way. A, a new strategy is yeah. what I was, <laughs> what would it feel like to let go of that old strategy now that you have the new one is what I hear. And are you fully ready to let go? And I'm like, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, they call that secondary gain sometimes. Whereas, you know, I, a lot of people, when they first, they're like, I'm procrastinating, I'm self-sabotaging. I'm like, well, how are you benefiting? from that and they're like I'm not it's like killing my I'm like no 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 you would not be doing it if you were not benefiting in some way and and so to be able to kind of look at it from a different lens because often we ask ourselves how is this hurting me how is this preventing me how is this stopping me well what are you getting from it why are you holding on to it why do you keep doing it that's a better question because then you can kind of look at well this is what's coming on it's keeping me safe it's making me feel this and okay, cool. So if you need to hold on to those feelings, well, like you said, like what's a different strategy you can implement that might move you forward, but still allow you to feel those things, you know, maybe to an extent or what can make you more comfortable with the discomfort and with the fear. And, and yeah, I love acknowledging that because that's when you start to get curious and ask yourself these questions. There's just so much information that comes up for you so that you can get clear on an answer for what you need to do next and how you need to move forward. What I get so curious about is, and I've seen you write about this a little bit, is kind of co-creating your reality, right? When you do neuro-linguistic programming with a coach, it's kind of like you're creating this life that you want, this life of your dreams. But then I also believe in God and I do think there's a plan for me. And then I get confused. Like, am I messing with God's plan? Yeah, am I messing with God's plan? And I've seen and, and read the way that you talk about your co-creating. And so I would love for you to talk about how you're co-creating and just your thoughts on that whole process. If only we were powerful enough to mess with God's plan. (laughs) That's the first thing that comes to my mind. And I think about co-creating, you know, first off, 
my belief system is, you know, God created me to be this like authentic, incredible version. He loves me unconditionally, all the parts of me, which is, you know, when we talk about that full acceptance in my mind, it's really leaning into the way God loves me. And, and that's something that I'll ask, like, okay, show me the way you see me. Like, how do you love me? How do you feel about me? And so for me, in my practice, you know, that inner work, that tuning into my intuition, I feel like that could be a really beautiful way God kind of plants things, seeds, ideas, dreams. And so the way I do that is I'm like, okay, like he's given me this, maybe some inspiration. I have to take action in order to do that. I have to get uncomfortable. I have to face fear. And and so for me, when I'm creating my vision for my life, I'll be specific because I love specificity or mine loves specificity. And I'm very much kind of like open-handed with it. Like, okay, God, here is everything that I think I want right now and all the things that I feel called to do right now. And I don't know, (laughs) this is what feels true, but like I surrender it. It's either this or something even better that I couldn't even imagine right now. Um, which has been, you know, I've had proof of that in my life where things have gone very differently than I've visioned and it's been for the better. And I'm very, very thankful. So there's that piece of surrender in it and of trust and faith that, you know what, I can't see every step, but I can take this next one towards what I'm feeling called to. And I'm just going to trust that God's got me. He's going to redirect me. I just have to listen and pay attention and have faith and keep doing the next thing that I know to do. It's so interesting to think of it that way, too, because it's like, okay, and if you don't believe in God and you believe in the universe or whatever, it's like, it's that intuition, that gut, you know, how you were designed. And then if you are religious and you're like, oh, God's calling me, like, you can think of it that way. Like, I'm being moved in this direction. I'm surrendering surrendering, and things are happening in my life that are leading me in this direction. And I do think there's some ease with it too. It's like, you're not controlling your future. You're, mm-hmm. you're being open and honest about what you're feeling called to do, what feels right and aligned. And then almost like asking, like you said, show me, which is super powerful to think about. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I'm curious. Can you tell that my brain's yeah, like going I'm over here? Yeah, I'm curious what she said. Like, I can tell the wheels are turning. So I talked to Catherine, our coach, about getting these downloads, right? Like, since I've started meditating mm-hmm. and just like this internal knowing. And she kind of talked me through how people get these downloads or like these knowings in different ways. Like, they'll hear things or they'll feel things. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie, like, it's, it's woo-woo-y to me until you feel it. And so... I get these downloads when I'm meditating and it's just like an idea. It pops up as an idea and it's just Mm like, yep, thank you, Lord. Like it'll be like, what the hell am I going to post today on social media? And out of nowhere, it'll just come to me. And so for me, that's like God being like, stop worrying, like just trust, like divine timing. Mm -hmm. You have everything you need within you and I'm guiding you. And so call it surrendering, calling, call it downloading. I don't know what it is, but it feels good and it just feels right. And so I guess for me, it's not questioning it. And, you know, I've gotten into like Gabby Bernstein's work and how she says, asks for signs. And so I'll talk to, I talked to Andrew about this, but my sign is a cardinal and sure shit, it pops up anytime I need it. And so it's almost like, why question it? Like it feels good. The more I question it, 
that's my ego. And it's, it's like, it doesn't have to be hard. I'm making it hard on my own. Yeah. Why do we do that, Jen? Why do we make it so hard? <laughs> I think it gives us this odd sense of control. Yes. That questioning, that always needing to know. We're, our culture is obsessed with this idea of certainty. Like, I need to know. I need to have facts. I need to have proof. And there's really a lot, like, very little in life that is actually certain. I mean, we have faith because it's not, I mean, it's faith, right? That's why we have it. We don't know. And, and so being able to lean into uncertainty and then the not knowing, and that is a form of surrender. Of, I don't know. I have to remain open. I have to remain curious, flexible a little bit, show up and, and do the things and take action. Um, but I might have to pivot, you know, later based on circumstances or, and so that's something that I, I mean, I battle, I want certainty. That's a lot of clients are like, I want to know when I do this, what strategy is the best? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of different ones. I would find one that you like that feels good and maybe tweak it to fit you even more. That's the best strategy is self-trust is being curious and just not giving up and continuing to try. And so that for me is we like to make things feel harder because we want to control them or we want to feel like we deserve them. We earned it. And, and that's that whole, we're back to abundance. One of the most powerful questions I've ever um, been asked was also from the book, the artist's way was when in regards to abundance, you know, who do you believe God is? And then who do you want to believe God is? And I had two very different answers and it was pretty eye opening what I thought about God and um, what I wanted to think about God. And so that was kind of healing actually for me to think about that. So that could be a fun question to dive into and journal on. It's like all of this work, it's pulling on those feelings, right? Like those scary feelings, Mm -hmm. those uncomfortable feelings, those really good feelings, those feelings of knowing. And it's, for me, it's almost like, how do you want to feel? And it's going to be some hard work to get there. But then also it's what is hard. Like You're claiming it to be hard. And if you're just open, mm-hmm. I think it's just, it's all about self-discovery and this idea of becoming and evolving and enjoying and liking who you're becoming and knowing that you have the power to choose who you want to become and who you are. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I, I do think that it's important to put people in your path on this journey that make it easier on you. And mm-hmm. I think you're, Jen, you are a wonderful person to follow because you make it easy to have these deep reflections, questions, ideas that maybe you've never thought of. Like, I think following you, and we need to tell everybody how to follow you, <laughs> is uh, it's just life-changing because it's the questions that we all need to ask ourselves and ideas that we should all really be thinking of that um, sometimes life just gets too busy and it, it's too noisy to allow ourselves to get mm-hmm. there. And so I feel like you're kind of that light to the path of this. And so would you please tell all of our listeners how they can find you, how they can follow you, see your work and feel like their life has been changed like we do. Well, thank you. That's very kind. I'm incredibly flattered and um, I hope it does that. (laughs) But you can find me um, on my website, jenniferdiaz.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Jen M. Diaz, and you can find me on YouTube. Jennifer, I would search Jennifer Diaz, Mindset Coach on YouTube, um, or I'll 
send you guys the links. I'm sure you'll have like show notes and stuff. But yeah, that's where you can find me right now. I've got something I'm working on that'll be launching later this year that I'm very excited about. It's very new. So the best way to stay in touch is getting on my email list, I think. And I'll send you a Monday mindset newsletter every Monday night. And um, that's a fun way to connect and start doing this work in a very low barrier of entry way. And we will, of course, plug all of that in our show notes in our blog so that everyone has easy access to Jen. Uh, We could talk to you forever. (laughs) We want to be mindful (laughs) of your time. So thank you. Thank you for the work you do, for your time being here with us, gracing us with your presence. We are so grateful for you. Yes. Thank you guys so much for having me. I feel like we're just hanging out and it's so fun. I could talk to you guys forever. Thank you. We'll just do another episode. We have to put boundaries on the time we went to bed if we could hang out because we would just chat for hours. I can feel it. That might be worth it though. We might not regret that one at all. We'll just have to hold a retreat. Yes. And everyone can get a little taste of all of us. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, great. Well, one thing we do for our listeners on every show is the three gold stars. So there are three takeaways or steps for our listeners that you feel like they could try and implement into their lives and it might help them out. Yeah. First one would be start paying attention to what you think, how you feel. Write it down if you want. Phone, you know, real like journal, but just pay attention to those things. The second thing would be to investigate them, get to know them, get to know yourself, dive in, don't be afraid. And then the third would just be compassion, compassion, compassion. Give yourself as much compassion as you can and then extend that to other people. Love it. So beautiful. All right. Next up, we have Unleashing Ivy. These are our rapid fire surprise questions. Are you ready? Yes, let's do it. (laughs) Our first question for you has to do with imposter syndrome. For anybody that doesn't know what that is, it's kind of when you feel like you're doing your work, but then you second guess, like, who am I to even be saying these things? Like, I am not qualified for this. So we're curious if imposter syndrome shows up for you and how it shows up and how you kind of navigate that. Mm, Yes, it definitely shows up for me. I ask, who am I not to do that? And I think, is there anything I need to learn? Is there anything I need to improve on? A skill I need to grow into? And if not, then usually I will do something high vibe, like go for a run and immediately take action following that to kind of get me out of that yuck of imposter syndrome. That's how my favorite way to navigate it, really. I love that. All right, next question. What do you want your legacy to be? And has it changed over the years? Mm, man, that's such a big question. Legacy. I really hope that I look back on my life and I love everything that I see and that I'm at least proud of what I see and who I am and I know who I am and that that has inspired other people to do the same. Oh, I just I know. It's, that's pretty much been it for a while, I think. That feels big, but yeah, that's it. I can tell you, you are definitely living your legacy. You are inspiring so many people already. So, and then our last question is, what is one thing you wish you would have known sooner? Mm, I was already enough, always. The simplest answer. (laughs) It's always simple. It's simple because it just is. You are enough. Just stop questioning it. I'm saying that to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. 
All right, Jen, we leave our audience every episode with a piece of gold. This is your favorite quote. Would you like to share your quote with us? I would. Uh, I have a lot of favorite quotes, but this one right now is really, really resonating with me. So it's from Maya Angelou. It's from an interview she did. She said, you are only free when you realize you belong no place. You belong every place. No place at all. The price is high. The reward is great. I belong to myself. I'm very proud of that. I'm very concerned of how I look at Maya, and I like Maya very much. This is Gold Ivy signing off. Listen to your truth and go chase your gold.